Now let the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Our scripture reading for today are from the New Revised Standard Version Bible. Our first reading for today is from Matthew chapter 10, verse 1 and verses 5 through 11. Then Jesus summoned his twelve disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to cure every disease and every sickness. These twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not take a road leading to Gentiles and do not enter a Samaritan town, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. As you go, proclaim the good news. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those with a skin disease, cast out demons. You received without payment, give without payment. Take no gold or silver or copper in your belts, no bag for your journey, or two tunics or sandals or a staff, for laborers deserve their food. Whatever town or village you enter, find out who in it is worthy, and stay there until you leave. Our next reading is from Mark Chapter 16, verses 14 through 18. Later he appeared to the eleven themselves as they were sitting at the table, and he upbraided them for their lack of faith and stubbornness, because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen. And he said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the good news to the whole creation. The one who believes and is baptized will be saved, but the one who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. By using my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes. And if they drink any deadly thing, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick, and they will recover. Our final reading today is from the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 10, verses 1 and 17 through 20. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him in pairs, to every town and place where he himself intended to go. The seventy-two returned with joy, saying, Lord, in your name, even the demons submit to us. He said to them, I watched Satan fall from heaven like a flash of lightning. Indeed, I have given you authority to tread on snakes and scorpions and, all, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing will hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice at this that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. This is the word of God to the people of God. Thanks be to God. So I got a question asking about casting out demons. And I ended up falling down quite the rabbit hole trying to come up with a good answer. Mostly because this question isn't one that I had ever gone in-depth into before. The question was about whether or not Christians are still called to cast out demons. What ended up happening was a large exploration of the appearance of demons in Scripture. Now, you may have noticed that all our readings for today come from the New Testament, and more succinctly, from the three synoptic Gospels. And there's a reason for this. The biggest reason is that those are the three main places that we will find anything at all about demons in all of Scripture. And this alone took me by surprise. 
I found this out because I began looking through all of the Bible for the appearance of demons. And there are different ways to count, and I can go into my methodology if in detail if you happen to be interested. However, what I found is that there are about six places in all of the Old Testament that get translated as demon. But they almost universally refer to spirits or other gods, with none of them quite matching the New Testament's demons. And there was not really anything in the Old Testament that mirrored the casting out of demons that we find in the Synoptic Gospels. Now, the reason I keep mentioning the Synoptic Gospels and not just the Gospels in general is because of something else that you may find interesting from researching this question. Jesus doesn't cast out demons in the Gospel of John. Which may be surprising to you. Because John is full of signs and wonders. But we simply do not see casting out demons in that Gospel account. John mentions demons a few times. But every reference is people accusing Jesus of having a demon. The majority of the rest of all mentions of demons in the New Testament come from Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the Synoptic Gospels. And they make up around 80% of all mentions of demons in the New Testament. That's a pretty hefty share. Another thing that makes counting a little difficult is that these three accounts often mirror each other, meaning that the accounts can overlap with telling the same story in a different way three different times. So they can overlap. But this gives us, in total... If we believe that all the other instances overlap, the most we see is in Matthew there are five specific instances of casting out demons, which is the highest total that we get, with a few non-specific statements about demons being driven out. Usually just that crowds came to Jesus and he healed and cast out demons. Never any particulars about statistics or numbers or, well, details in general. Now, I did only count mentions of the term demon and not when it was referred to as a spirit using a different word in the Greek. And there is some debate on whether or not I should have merged them. But I did this because there's another anomaly that we have when we notice the terms being used. And that's because of something that occurs with Luke and Acts, two books considered to be basically a long, continuous story from Luke. His narrative goes from the gospel of Christ to the early church. All under one author, However, Luke's account of the early church with the Acts of the Apostles lacks the casting out of demons as part of their ministry. 
Luke specifically mentions demons in his accounting of Christ's ministry, mentioning the casting out of demons various times. But nowhere in his accounting of the early church in Acts does Luke use that term. And this creates a bit of a conundrum if we are trying to discover what the early church did with casting out demons. Because it means we have nothing to go on. All of this set my brain to pondering what these details would mean for us now. So I continued in this task by looking deeper into if we are charged with casting out demons. Now that it's become unclear as to what that would mean. This brings us to our readings for today. In Matthew, we see Jesus assigning authority over unclean spirits and demons, but he only assigns that authority to his 12 chosen, and they're only to go amongst the Israelites. This is a rather limited scope. They are to cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those skin diseases, cast out demons, and to do all of it without payment among the Israelites. One of the most important parts of this for today's discussion is that Jesus assigns this duty only to the twelve and only amongst the children of Israel. It's not a general command for everyone, and it's not even that they're supposed to go to everyone to do it. It's a commissioning of twelve important disciples. Now this raises a question for us as to whether or not this is something that we are charged with. And we don't see that in Matthew. We don't see that, really, in John. So we look at Mark. And Mark doesn't bring us much closer to an answer. And that's because of where our reading today lies. This comes from the very end of Mark. And if you are hoping for a simple answer today, I apologize. Because the placement of this reading from Mark puts us in a bit of a conundrum when we look at it from a critical lens as a scholar. Because this comes from the longer ending of Mark. And it's called that because it doesn't appear in our oldest manuscripts of Mark's gospel. Mark's gospel ends before this point. And then we have the added verses. There's a debate on these. But it's believed by some to have been added by later scribes who were unhappy with the sudden ending. That they felt it was too abrupt, so they added this one that is a culmination of different points from other Gospels. But it also includes signs which have not been a part of Mark's account until here. It also has things that are unique only to this section of Scripture, including the drinking of things that would harm. And it raises some very valid questions about whether or not this was originally part of Mark's account of Christ. 
And so we get that believers will cast out demons, speak in new tongues, pick up snakes, and if they drink anything deadly, it won't hurt them. But we get it in a section that is possibly added by a much later author, making it a murky situation instead of a definitive that we are looking for. And that complicates things when we're looking for a clear-cut answer. For some people, that won't matter, and they'll still see it and say, yes, it says it, so it's there. Others will note that and have some hesitation. Now, I continued on into Luke, the third of our gospel accounts to mention casting out demons. In Luke, we have Jesus sending out the 72. When he sends them out, he gives many of them the same commands as the 12 in Matthew, except that Jesus doesn't specifically mention casting out demons. However, when the 72 return, they rejoice that even the demons submit to them because of the name of Christ. So they weren't called to cast out demons, but discovered that demons could not stand up to them because they were followers of Jesus. Overall, this created a rather complicated picture of casting out demons. Where I wanted to find a simple answer, I ended up with a bit of a mess. So I'll try to impart some wisdom with you now. And you may use this information how you wish. In ancient times, they often did not differentiate between a physical illness, a mental illness, a spirit, or a demon. They often thought they were all caused by spiritual influences, often believing that any disease or problem you had was because you did not live your life right. And we see Christ debunk some of that in the Gospels But that idea hasn't fully ended today. People still associate disease, physical and mental illness, with evil forces or divine retribution or fill in the blank with spiritual origins. Now, I can't tell you what a demonic influence really looks like because I've never seen anything that I can positively identify as demonic. At least if we are speaking beyond a generalization of anything that goes against God being demonic. But I have met plenty of people who still think that demonic influences and mental illness go hand in hand. Be it that they think mental illness itself is caused by the presence of a demon or that they think people with mental disorders are more susceptible to demons, both can be harmful views. As someone who lives with bipolar disorder, that can be rather hurtful. To have clergy colleagues claim that I am more susceptible to demonic forces because of brain chemistry, does hurt. Because those same people 
Don't say that someone with lots of money is more susceptible to demonic forces, even though money is the cause of many evils and enables people to do so much more and to give in to so many more temptations. No, they don't look at any other situation that would make somebody more susceptible because in their heads they still tie mental illnesses and certain physical ailments with demons. Whether it's a skin disease, epilepsy, Depression, schizophrenia, bipolar. We have a whole list of things that at different times people have thought were simply caused by evil spirits, divine retribution, demons. And with many of those things carrying a stigma already, having that added bit thrown in can be incredibly hurtful. So I offer a bit of cautionary advice as part of this answer. I'm always going to be hesitant of people who make it their mission to cast out demons because when you look hard enough, you'll find what you're looking for, whether it's really there or not. And all too often, that's what I've seen happen. I honestly don't know if we are specifically called to cast out demons as part of our ministry. And I don't know what that would look like. But I do know that we are called to fight evil in the many forms that it takes. So we are called to resist the physical and spiritual forces of evil in this world. And we should begin any resistance to evil with prayer and reflection. It is important that we gain wisdom. Because we should always center ourselves in prayer and do our best to know what is happening before we jump to conclusions. Especially if it's a conclusion that we're looking for. I wish I could give you a clear answer, but the Bible isn't nearly as clear as some people would like in places. I have never seen a demonic possession myself and have yet to find any definitive account in modern times. It's hard to find an account outside of Christ's own experience. But I know what I have experienced I have met people who have struggled with the stigma that people have applied to conditions that others blame on demons. I have seen the hurt that it causes when someone is simply trying to do their best and is judged by others without love. Would I discount the idea completely then? No. And that might surprise some of you after hearing me speak today. 
But I can't completely rule it out. But I can recommend caution so that we don't end up doing harm to others under the guise of fighting evil. Because when we are in prayer, Christ is with us and will give us the guidance we need for any situation. Christ will strengthen us in resisting evil, both seen and unseen. And God will grant us the wisdom to discern the path forward. In that, we may resist evil in love. Remember that we are called to treat each other with compassion and grace. That we are called to love God and love one another. And in that love, we can oppose all kinds of evil. Because Christ will always be with us, and, we will al- and Christ will always be able to guide us into the answers that we need when we need them. And I pray that this answer, even as incomplete as it is, helps in gaining understanding. Even if, the, if that understanding is in how little sometimes we know about things that seem all too easy for us to reference. And even if it's a little bit more of how to be cautious and more generous in our love. And I do pray that if you have any more questions, that you do get those to me. And that if you would like to know more on this subject, give me a call, come see me, or join us for our Wednesday evening Bible study. And I will do my best in prayer and patience to find the answers that we are seeking together so that we may grow in Christ together, that we may grow in God's love together as we ponder the questions of faith that come to us all. Amen.